Before we read this morning, I want to ask a, a couple of questions, and, and I'm trying to get to a point, so just bear with me. Uh, whenever you take an orange, tangerine, satsuma, whatever it is, as long as it's orange, and you squeeze it, what comes out? Squeeze the orange, what comes out? What kind of juice? Orange juice. That makes sense, right? Makes perfect sense. What happens if you squeeze an orange juice and apple juice comes out? Something's wrong. Something ain't right. If you squeeze an orange, an apple juice comes out, right? So what happens whenever you squeeze, squeeze a Christian? What's supposed to come out? Christ, right? Christian juice. Christ is supposed to come out. Whenever you squeeze a Christian, whenever things get difficult, whenever things get crazy, whenever things get weird, whenever we are squeezed by this world, Christ is supposed to come out of us. Why do we not find it weird when Christians are squeezed and everything but Christ comes out? We find it weird when you squeeze an orange and orange juice don't come out. We don't find it weird whenever you squeeze a Christian and Christ don't come out. We have decisions in our life that shape the rest of our life. It was said by one of those famous people, and I don't remember who it was, that we are a sum of our decisions. Our life is a sum of our decisions, of our choices that we make. Today we're going to look at a couple in the gospel. And we're going to look at a few decisions that we make as individuals and decisions that we make at church. How that changes us. How that changes what kind of juice comes out of us. Anybody ever incubated eggs? Whenever you go to incubating eggs, I have a few chickens that are sitting right now. And if you take a, a fresh egg, I mean a very, very fresh egg just come out of the chicken, and you stick it in that incubator, the chances of you raising a baby chick are high. Okay? But if you take that egg and you lay it outside and you lay it on the counter for a day, and then you put it in the incubator, what happens to the chances? It goes down. Every day that that egg stays on the counter is, is time that that egg is not incubating, is not hot enough, is not warm enough, is not in a human enough environment to develop the, the growth of that fetus, of that little bitty baby soon to be chicken. Every day that it lays stagnant. What happens to a tomato if you never pick it? Starts to rip down the side. What happens to a watermelon if you never pick it and it gets overripe? They bust. If we sit around stagnant and refuse to make a decision, we ruin. However, if we make the wrong decision and the wrong kind of juice starts coming out, then we're in trouble again. So whenever we are presented with things in our life, let's, let's, let's look at Lot. Genesis chapter number 13. I know he's one we talk about a lot. But I want to look at where he got himself. In Genesis chapter number 13, we're going to start in verse number 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, for they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Persite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray, between thee and me, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, before me, and if I will take the left hand, I will take the right. And if I will depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes. Whenever we are presented with, with questions, with problems, with decisions today, how do we, how do we make decisions? What is the decision-making process? I taught biology this past year, and, and, and the decision-making process for scientists is called a scientific method. 
that's that's how scientists make decisions. That's how they come to conclusions. They have to go through a long process. It's like seven steps. But as individuals, a lot of times we make decisions just like that. Anybody ever made a, a bad, spontaneous decision? Absolutely. Some head shaking really hard up and down. We've all made spontaneous decisions that we probably should not have made. That we probably said things that we should not have said, done things that we should not have done, taken a turn down a road that we definitely should not have taken a turn down. But whenever we are making big decisions, decisions that we recognize will affect the rest of our life, what is our process for that? Decisions that we don't make spontaneously because we all mess up spontaneously. But decisions that we know will affect us forever. Decisions that we know will change the way our life is. Decisions that we know will impact my future, may even impact my kids. Decisions that will impact those around me. Big decisions. How do we make those decisions? What is the process we go through? Pray about it. First step, that is a great place to start. A lot of people will say, well, I've done everything else. Maybe God will give me some guidance. We ought to start with God. Pray about it. A lot of people go to mom and daddy. Because we see them as heroes. People that's always made the right decisions. People go to grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles and, and bosses and, and people that they revere in their life, friends and family, whatever it may be. But if we don't start with God, we're starting in the wrong place. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt that cometh unto Zoar, he saw a place that was absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful. I mean, you just have to imagine that this was, was like McMillan's nursery, just green everywhere. Or walking up to windmill and seeing all these plants as far as you can see. Everything is growing and blossoming and beautiful, absolutely wonderful. And all he could see... All he could see was himself prospering in this place as far as materialistic things go. I don't believe that Lot walked down there to see how evil the people was. I don't believe he toured the place. Y'all ever bought a, a house without looking at it? Anybody ever bought a cow without looking at it? Or a tractor? You don't buy things without looking at it. Well, Lot said, I'm going to go this way, and he never even... He, he, never, he never dug into it. Every time I buy a vehicle, I look underneath. Anybody know why you look underneath a vehicle before you buy it? Salt. Up north, they salt the roads whenever it gets cold and icy. And if you drive a vehicle through there, it'll rot under, it'll rust it out and rot underneath the vehicle. And you could end up really messing up. So I look up underneath the, the vehicle before I buy it. Lot, he didn't explore this decision. He may have thought about it. He may consider it. We don't know his process. But it says that he did it with his eyes. He didn't do it praying to God. I believe that Lot, at this point in time in his life, I believe that Lot was close to a righteous man. I believe that Lot may have even worshipped God at this point in time that he was traveling with Abram. But this decision in Lot's life took him in a whole different direction. Had you squeezed Lot at this point, there's no telling what would come out. But his life only got worse from this point forward. And this decision 
This choice changed it all. You know what the beauty of reading about other people's mistakes is? We can judge them. We can say, ooh, you shouldn't have done that. We can say, how in the world could he make a dumb decision like this? How in the world could he not pray about it first? Whenever we look at other people's decisions, when we look at life's mistakes, we say, how in the world could he be this stupid? That's what we say. That's what we think. When we think about life, that's what we think. We make a lot of the same decisions. So Lot chose the plain of Jordan and journeyed east and separated themselves one from another. Turn over to chapter number 19. Lot lived in this land and we don't know how long of a time span this was. It could have been a couple of weeks. It could have been a few years. We have no idea. But there came two angels to Sodom. God saw wickedness in this place beyond anywhere else on the earth. And God said He was going to destroy it and Abraham interceded for Lot. He said, let me find a little bit of righteousness in there. And God said, I won't destroy it. How many people did He get down to that He had to find? He got down and He could not find. I don't believe He could find a righteous person in in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't believe He could find one. Two angels came to Sodom. And Lot sat in the gate. And Lot seeing them rose up to meet them and he bowed himself toward them. He recognized them. He saw it. And he said, Behold now my Lord's turn in, I pray you, into thy servant's house. And tarry all night and wash your feet and rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. Look, look right here. He pressed upon them greatly and they turned into his house. Why did Lot press upon these these two men that he obviously knew was special, may have even knew was sin of God? Why did he press upon them that they come into his house? Do you think he knew something? Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, can pass the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called on the Lot, where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Understand that Lot was in a very good place whenever him and Abraham came out of Egypt. Abram at the time. When Lot and Abram came out of Egypt, they were both prospering. They both had flocks and herds and servants and people and everything was all good. They were just just fighting together. So they said, hey, let's separate. Well, whenever these two separated, they still had all of this. They still had all of this wealth. They still had all of this stuff, all of these things, all of these people, all these animals. They still had all of it. We don't read of Lot having any of it anymore. Whenever he made that decision to not seek the Lord, to not look for his guidance, to not investigate, to not think, to not focus, to just just go based on what he saw, whenever he made that decision, everything in his life changed. He found himself in a place that he did not even want strangers standing out in the street because he knew what was going to happen. They came. And they compassed the house, both old and young, and called unto light, lent a lot, bring them out that we may know them. That term is know in the biblical sense. This is immorality at its peak. Both old and young. 
came looking for these men that they may sexually know them. They called in the lot. Where are the men? Lot went out, shut the door after him, and he said, I pray ye, brother, do not so wickedly. Lot knew what he was living in. Lot knew what he was doing, and he was still there. Lot knew that he was in an awful place, but he stayed. Lot knew that everything around him was wicked and perverse, and he stayed. Lot made another choice. Every day that he got up, he made a, cho- a choice to stay rather than get out. This morning, if, if you're struggling with something you know you ought not be a part of, or if we find ourselves somewhere that we know we're not supposed to be, we make a decision of whether to stay or not. It may be crazy difficult. It may be absolutely uh, the hardest thing we'll ever do. But we'll make a decision whether or not to stay. Lot got up every day and made the decision to stay in this wicked place. Every day. He made a choice, bless you, that changed his life because he chose to stay. He said, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. Listen to this. And do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. Lot said, I have two daughters that are virgins. I have two daughters that have not known a man. Let me bring them out to you. You can have them. I can't think of a sadder scene in the Old Testament than this. I can't. I can't think of a sadder scene. I can't think of a sadder situation for a parent to find themselves in than raising their kids up, raising their families up in this kind of filth, in this kind of wickedness, in this kind of perverseness, in this kind of this kind of liberalistic society. They said, stand back. They pressed sore upon him and came near to break the door down because they wanted to get to those men so bad. Every decision that Lot made led him to this point. Every decision he made led him to the point that two angels from God walked into his house and his neighbors tried to break his door down so that they could rape them. And Lot said, hey, take my daughters and leave these men alone. That kills me. I can't imagine it. Lot wasn't always that person. Lot wasn't always that person. But he lived in it. He chose to stay. He chose to live in it. And his choices ruled the rest of his life. After this, the the, the angels even grabbed him by the hand. Verse 15, and 7 in the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot and said, Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. What happened to all the rest of his kids? He had more than than two daughters. He had more than that. He had other daughters. He had sons-in-law. What happened to them? They burned up. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Verse number 14. Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-laws which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked 
unto his sons-in-law. They didn't believe him. He seemed as one that mocked. If you were to go up to co-workers, to family today, to friends and people that you see all the time, and you was to tell them, believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, would they look at you like you're crazy? Because that's the way they looked at him. They looked at him like he was crazy because of the choices he made, because of the life he lived. They could not imagine him being even close to a righteous person. You know what it takes to be a Christian? It don't take a righteous life to be a Christian. It don't take all good choices to be a Christian. It takes one good choice. One choice to choose Jesus Christ. That's what it takes to be a Christian. After that, it is about following the Holy Spirit that God gives us as a guide in our life. And after that, it's about choices. The New Testament says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed day to day. That tells me that he knew what he was doing. That tells me that he knew what he was doing to his family. He knew what he was living in. He knew the decisions he was making. And yet he chose to do that anyway. And whenever this man was squeezed, Christ didn't come out. When this man was facing hard times, when he had an opportunity to have an impact, he had everything but because of the decisions that he made leading up to this. Deuteronomy 30, chapter number 15. Excuse me, chapter 30, verse number 15. says, See today I have set before you life and good, death and evil. Every day God sets before us choices in the same manner. What are we going to choose? Today I want to beg of you to make two choices. John chapter 6, verse number 44 says, No man come unto me, Except the Father which has sent me, draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. The first choice I want to impress upon your heart this morning is to make the choice to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. At some point in his life, Lot chose to. For all the wrong decisions he made, he made one right. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, and the Holy Spirit is drawing you, the only right decision that you can make is to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. Believe with all your heart. That's as simple as it gets. That's as hard as it gets. That's it. That is the decision. Believe in Christ. Perish. Life. Death. Good. Evil. Over and over again in the Old Testament, Moses tells the people, choose. Joshua said, choose. Samuel said, choose. Make a decision. Because if we sit stagnated, we're going to bust. We're not going to be good for nothing. You can't eat a tomato that is busted. And you're not going to eat a watermelon that has got so ripe and busted and the sun is cooked down in it. That was for the raccoons at that point. Isaiah chapter number 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. There came a day in Lot's life that it was too late. It was too late for him to try to change his family because all of his life his family had seen everything but God in him. His family has seen him prioritize wealth. His family has seen him prioritize perverseness. His family has seen him prioritize everything in this world but God. Today, what are we prioritizing in front of our family? What are we showing them? 
Are we showing them a life of good decisions? Are we showing our kids that we prioritize God? Are we showing our friends and co-workers that we are Christian? Whenever we are squeezed, what comes out? Whenever we are faced with difficult decisions, where do we go? What is our plan? Yesterday I was cooking some ribs. I, I, I swapped for a grill. And it's a, a pellet grill. I've never used one before. So I was cooking some ribs. What's the first thing I did? What do we always do when we don't know the answer? Google it. There we go. First thing I did was Google it. Whenever I Google it, guess how many recipes it came up with? Too many. As far as you wanted to scroll, there was recipes of how to do ribs on a pellet grill. The first place I went to was my phone. Because it has a wealth of information. Wealth of knowledge. There's not much that you can't Google and find anymore. But you can't Google and find Jesus. You can't Google and find God's leadership. It don't work that way. Lot couldn't have Googled for the right decision. Lot had to look for God for that right decision and he chose wrong. Lot couldn't have Googled for, for, for God to get him out of there. Lot couldn't have Googled his way out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot prioritized everything but God. Lot chose everything but God. And whenever we see people like this, whenever we see situations like this, we tell ourselves, that can never be me. That could never be me. It can. If we're not very careful, it might be. You ever told yourself that could never be us? That'll never happen to us. That'll never. We was playing baseball at Pine High School several years ago. I say several years ago. I had my 10th year reunion last year. So it was at least 11 years ago. We were playing baseball and then we was playing Doyle High School. I'll never forget it. We had 10 run ruled them the week, uh, month before, a couple of weeks before. I mean 10 run ruled them. We beat the socks off of them. I mean we whooped them. Come back the following week and they had 10 run ruled Springfield High School. Springfield High School beat us. And we told ourselves, I said, we won't lose to them. We whooped them last time. That won't be us. We're not going to lose like Springfield. We're not going to fall apart when we make an error. We're not going to go down to crunch time and lose it. We got 10 run ruled by Doyle High School the following week. Because whenever it came right down to it, whenever it came down to making decisions, we didn't look to our coach. We wanted to do it for me. I didn't want to bunt the ball. I want to hit the ball. Guess what? We struck out. I want to steal the base. We got thrown out. Because we wasn't paying attention to the coach. We didn't care what the coach said. We were mad at that point. And every decision we made dug us deeper and deeper and deeper in the hole until the fifth inning came and we were down 10 to nothing and the umpire said, ball game! And we were sitting here scratching our head. How did that happen? You know how that happened? We didn't pay attention to the coach. We said that's not going to be us making bad decisions. And just like that it was. If we don't pay attention to the coach, if we don't look to God in our decision-making process, We'd be surprised how many poor decisions we would make. We would be really surprised. 
Matter of fact, I believe with all of my heart that we're going to get to heaven. Those of you here as are saved, you're going to get up there with me. And come judgment day, God is going to stand up there and I, I, I even think He may even open a book and begin to read how many bad decisions I've made. Brother Ed, I think we're going to be there a while. And I ain't lived very long. And I believe he's going to start reading about opportunities I missed because I didn't choose. And we're going to be there for a while too. We don't have to be there. We don't have to go that way. We don't have to make all bad decisions. What we have to do is seek God first. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon His name. New Testament and the Old says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's all it takes. We preach all the time that, that to get saved you have to believe in Jesus Christ. With all your heart, that's it. But to, but to live saved, you have to trust in Jesus Christ with all your heart too. To get saved, you have to believe in Christ. But to, but to live saved, you have to believe God. You have to let Him lead in God in your life. You have to let Him rule over your decisions. You have to say, God, I am yours. You have to say, God, what do I do? You don't lift up your eyes and say, ooh, that thing is shiny. Y'all ever walk down the aisle of Bass Pro Shops and wonder how come all of the buzz baits shine and shimmer and are glittery? We used to use this worm. It was called Blue Electric. And on the Pearl River, we would wear out the bass, but it, it, it was almost a blue-black worm, and it had little silver sparkles in it. Things that are shiny, things that are bright. You ever... You ever drove by a bar room? What is it you see in the windows? Neon lights. What is it you see at casinos? I was watching a documentary one time. It was, it was how casinos draw people in. How, that's how they word it. How they get you in a casino when you don't want to go to a casino. You know what they do? They have speakers in the top of them casinos. And every now and then they'll play these, these sounds. It's like somebody's winning. Because they want you to think somebody's always winning. You don't want to think somebody's always losing. When you drive down the interstate, you see these people up on the billboards. And they look happy. They got fistfuls of money. They said, I won this. It all looks good. And if we make decisions with our eyes, if we make decisions because this is shiny, because this is pretty, because this is going to get me rich, then we're going to make the wrong decision just like Lot did. And we're going to say, oh, that can't be me. And in just a minute, that's going to be us. I pray to God it's not. I hope it's not. But the only way that we can ensure that we make the right decision is if we follow the leadership of God. If we allow God to make the decision and we say, yes, Lord. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the most important decision that you can make in your life is to believe in Him. And if you do know Jesus Christ and your Savior, the most important decision that you can make in your life is seek God first. And I pray that we could all do that a little bit better. Oh, we have verse for song? Well, as for verse of invitation.